0: we're back let's get this conversation going i'm excited about this one Welcome to the Burning Rooms Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we connect with the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have the conversations, share the stories to strengthen your corporate and personal prayer life. My name is Johan. I'm Jehu. So this is part two of a two-parter, and we we have the same guests with us, Harv and Sue Peters. So last week we talked about some of the values that would draw a family into the house of prayer. Some of the heart things that are developed through them being in the house of prayer. So today we wanted to talk about some of the more practical things of what it's like to raise a family in the house of prayer and how to actually do that. And Harvin and Sue, you are a great example of that. As I consider you a mother and father in the prayer movement in our city. I've looked to you for guidance many times and I know my wife has looked to you for guidance many times. So it's great that you're on with us today to talk about some of these things. So when we started Sanctuary House of Prayer, uh, you guys were coming from a church expression that was primarily doing Sunday morning services, and the House of Prayer, we started doing our Sunday afternoon services, that's when we had our main gatherings. What was it like from a practical point, moving your children from a Sunday morning into all of a sudden a Sunday evening, doing several hours on end? What are some of the things that you've had to adjust as a family in order to make that work in the early days?
1: Part of it would be communicating to the kids, you know, why are we doing what we're doing and then laying out for them what the day is going to look like in terms of how long is it going to be and so on. We were meeting in the afternoons because that was the only time we could get a church building. All the other churches have church Sunday morning and uh, our friends graciously allowed us to use their building for a number of years in the afternoon and didn't charge us rent. That was when we had the available time. So that's when we met. So then we laid it out for the kids in terms of, you know, what to expect.
2: And in light of it being an afternoon, evening, you just have to be flexible. You have to think about how you're going to accommodate that, how you're going to deal with it being a, a different time. Everybody goes to church in the morning. Suddenly, you're in the afternoon the evening. And so what one of the ways that we did it was we have two cars in our family. Harv would take two of the older ones first, and then I would come later with two of the younger ones, and then I would leave earlier and he would stay later. Because their uh, attention spans weren't as long then, so we
1: adjusted how long they were there.
2: And so that was, I, and maybe those are the two words, adjusting and flexible. You're flexible on the front end and you keep adjusting and you keep adjusting as your children age and also how they are and what each one needs and what each one responds to. And so you are always paying attention to that. The driving was different, and also I would put in here that what makes a prayer room really work for kids is food. Food is essential. Children eat. When they're born, they eat every two or three hours, and that actually doesn't change. That all through their toddler and and all through teen years, especially through teen years, they eat and desire to eat every two to three hours. And so to help with the focus and to, to minimize distractions, I helped fund and actually caused an uptick in all restaurants around our house of prayer. On a Sunday evening, they, they experienced a sudden rush of people coming to eat, get their food. And so our children actually thought of Sundays as a treat day because this was the day they got Little Caesars. This was the day they got Subway. This was the day they got McDonald's. Yes, we did do fast food. And also, whenever we got home, this was nacho night. We had a big plate of nachos because when they came home, they were always hungry as if I'd never fed them at all. As if they fasted every day. They didn't fast on Sundays, believe me. And so when we got home, they ate. And so you might say, well, that's sort of not very spiritual. It is essential. It helps smooth things over. And so I would say that remove as many barriers to accessing God and as many barriers to distractions that you can and let God do what he can do and you do your part.
0: Jehu, you are I mean you are a child of Sue and, and Harv here. Uh, do you have any memories of the food? Cheering those early days. Oh,
3: I do. As soon as you mentioned subway, I was like, "Oh yeah, the subway on Broadway." I just I loved getting the the sub from there, and it was just it was so good. I I remember coming home to the nachos, to the the pizzas. I remember grating extra cheese on the pizza to make it extra tasty. I'm sure that's not in the budget, but you know you just got to make that cheese pizza extra good. Uh, And it was, it just added to, uh, to the, the prayer room. And then when we did uh, our night watch, we would fuel up on pizza beforehand and just having that food not be a battleground. I know that we weren't supposed to eat in the prayer room. And so we were pretty good about that, but outside the prayer room was open season. And so I just remember being very free with the food. It wasn't like you had to eat before you uh, left. And then that was the end of your, your meal. And, you know, tough luck. It was, it was very flexible that way for the food, uh, which I just, I so appreciated because it made it not, a, not an issue. We weren't fighting over it.
1: I guess the, another couple of things would be most houses of prayer are pretty small in number. There's not a lot of people. And so um, everybody can see what everybody's doing. And so because we knew our kids would be there for a long period of time on a regular basis, we never felt it important to make them stay in one place. Uh, we said, move around if you need to, pace if you need to, uh, have a nap in one of the chairs if you want, you know, read your book, because we believed in the value of being in the place of where God is. And so, whether you're 100% engaged or 5% engaged, God will meet you. And you will, you know, over the course of days and months and years, you will encounter God. So, we, as Sue said, we tried to mo- remove as many of the artificial barriers as we could and said, this is a place where. You are a valued member of the House of Prayer. Uh, for example, if there's uh, what we would call rapid-fire prayer, everybody can, who wants to can pray five- to ten-second prayers. We encouraged our kids to go and grab the mic, like the adults, like everyone else, and pray your five- to ten-second prayers. Be involved. Be, participate in it. Uh, we encourage them to make friends with the young adults, with the, uh, the 20-somethings, and get some conversation, friendship, advice, theological discussion with someone other than us and so we there was that fam, that larger family environment that uh, a small house of prayer fosters and so we richly encouraged that uh, we had a uh, for a period of time we had a an Israel prayer meeting on Tuesday night I believe and so we would go to the the home of a of a young family three or four 20 somethings and so our kids loved to go because this family was particularly energetic and it was always a good time. And the Israel prayer meetings were always a good time. And so we went for a number of years while that was going on and we brought the kids.
2: And as Har was saying, like our house of prayer was a small house of prayer. And also, we, as we said, we rented a building. A church building and so we weren't didn't have access to that building during the week and so we still wanted to continue having times where we would pray and worship and so we met in people's houses and i look at those times and they were such a time of community and forming prayer and a, the sense of going together we went hard together pursuing the lord and let's see i went to one of those tuesday night prayer meetings i think 5 years i took my kids Every Tuesday night I drive across city my city and go to this house and we go in their basement and there was always the, the rush to get there at the right time because there was the comfy chair. And then there was this weird van seat that had been taken out of a van and it still had its seat belts on. And so that was like the rush to get to that particular seat. And then there were the best pillows and the best blankets and everything. So there was a certain amount of let's get there on time so we get those good things. And so I took my kids to these prayer meetings. And they still were the harp and bowl models. So we had worship and prayer. And in that context, because there were fewer people, 10 people, 12 people in a basement, they heard the 20-somethings praying for the under-30 generation. They heard people pray week after week after week for the under-30 generation. And also they listened to other people pray, and then they gained confidence to learn to pray themselves. And so they would be asked, do you want to be one of the prayers? And they would begin to have enough courage to say, yeah, I'll be one of the prayers. And so they would pray and then someone would sing and then a chorus would be made off their prayers. And they began to realize that they are an integral piece of what God is doing in Winnipeg.
0: So you weren't really holding them back until they're old enough to jump in. Like you were bringing them to everything you could and everything they could handle
2: pretty much. We could say I was bringing them, I was dragging them, I was bribing them. I I had a lot of strategies on how to get my children to go <laughs> to prayer meetings because you know you're fighting a culture that why pray it's the little old ladies in the basement praying and I'm going no it is not god is there we are there it's it's the 20 somethings it's the under 30 generation i was still over 30s but we are going after hard after god and so i found ways to encourage them to want to come and they were they were great moments. And also the other aspect that I loved about it is they got a chance to pray for people, and then they got a chance to be prayed for. We had a special thing in our house of prayer, we stumbled on it was if it was your birthday, You got prophesied over. And so they were so excited when it was like their time because they knew at that prayer meeting that they would get 10 people pray for them. All the attention, all the focus, all the prayer would be, it would be their night. And I'm like, that is so wonderful. That is so exciting that that is what they are excited about.
0: And they got the opportunity to prophesy as well, I'm sure, and learn in that context.
2: Yes, they did. And they grew and they they began to get like pictures and dreams and then they would share dreams with their friend with the other people in the room and then we'd be able to speak into that and then our director would talk about how do we interpret dreams and how do we pray for each other so they were learning as we were learning they were learning and we were all together in one place
1: i think the one of the things that i mentioned previously and i want to emphasize is that we have four kids in our all four kids are very, very different from each other. So they have very different personality types, very different ways of looking at the world. And this works for all of them. That's what I'm trying to say. This house of prayer, this environment works for all of them. It's um, all four of them prophesy over other people with clarity and with accuracy. We will on a Sunday, it's it's fairly common in the main service, we'll have somebody sit in, in a chair and then people will pro- give prophetic words to this person. And my kids, all four of them, regularly stand in the line to give the words, and their words are, are spot on. Uh, the ki- it's, it's been fun to see our kids learn to take the mic and pray in front of a room of people. Uh, some started out with the prayers being written out, and they read the prayers, and then gradually moved to more uh, freeform or extemporaneous praying. And how fun is it? I do, you, you sort of forget how fun it is to have a worship team make a chorus from the words that you've just prayed. Like, it's it's a rush. Yeah. It's fun. It is fun because you are, you know, we always say intercession is telling God what he tells us to tell him. And so we are telling God what he, we think he's telling us to tell him. And then the team is telling God in musical lyrics and songs that what we've just prayed how fun is that? And so to see our kids grow up in that and to become, to take their place in that is so uh, encouraging.
3: I remember on one of the trips, we went down to IHOP uh, we got in the rapid fire prayer line at the international house of prayer and it was, it was long. Uh, I was, you know, they had to kind of cut it off, but it was like, you know, all these people lined up and they didn't discriminate. If you were a kid, you were allowed in the prayer line. So I was in there ready to pray. I think we were praying for, um, maybe Kansas city or maybe America. And I remember I prayed something, something, something. We need another great awakening because I had heard a sermon about that and I thought it was a, a good line. So I prayed that and handed the mic back to the prayer leader and then the person chorused off it right away. And so it's like this big room at the house of prayer. And they like they made a chorus off of my like little five second prayer to the Lord. I was I was so encouraged. That it was just like, My goodness, this is awesome. And so as a kid to see others participating with your prayer, it was just incredibly encouraging.
0: So it's probably a good environment, actually, for children to actually encounter the Lord because they get involved. I'm not saying they can get involved in other churches, but there's so many opportunities for them to step up to the mic and do what everybody else is doing and just really step into their role as intercessors. And I don't know, I I think it's—I see it in my kids, too, where they get to get involved, where they probably wouldn't have been involved otherwise if they hadn't been in the house of prayer. So that's great.
1: I think because it's a small group of people— and we all like each other. And there's a lot of stuff that needs doing. So everybody gets to help. Uh, we get to ha- have a culture of serving. We've been on setup since day one. and we give me, a,
3: give me a background. What's setup, quote unquote? Oh,
1: yes. Thank you. We currently meet in a different church in the afternoon. So setup means taking down all their microphones, their drum kit, their keyboard, all their cables, winding that up, putting that all off to the side, and then putting out our gear, so our microphones, our chairs, our music stands, our electronic drums, our keyboard, running all the chords. We've got a 16-channel soundboard that we run doing a sound check, making sure everything works every Sunday.
0: And that's pulling it from the basement all the way up the stairs every Sunday. I honour you guys, by the way, for doing that <laughs> since day one. you just given yourselves to it and your kids have been helping throughout that time as well.
1: And so the it needs doing, right? And so we love to help. That's what we do. We are the, the, you know, the people who help carry the ark and do stuff. It's not just singing on the line. So our kids have been involved and they help. They set up some, you know, one of my kids creates curriculum for the kids' church. I mean, nobody told her to do that. She just realized there was nothing out there that really captured the essence of what we believe and communicated it in a way that was accessible for two-year-olds and three-year-olds. And so she created her own. She creates her own. I love it. Another one of my kids is is the leader on an intercession set. So she's the prayer leader on an intercession set. Another one of my kids plays the bass and does sound. Another one of my kids runs screens. Another one of my kids, I just—I don't How have kids four kids. kids. Do you have here. <laughs> I, I do want to. I would do want to honor um, your son, Johan. He was not yet a teenager, and I want to say this publicly. He's—he was not yet a teenager when he was running sound on a sixteen-channel soundboard with a full band: three singers, drums, keyboard, bass, electric, prayer leader, and sometimes, uh, and always, an acoustic guitar. He was running sound, and it sounded awesome in the room. He obviously got trained in it, but then nobody was there to hover over him. They stepped back and they let him run it and they continue to let him run it. He does a great job. Where else would a 12-year-old get a chance to do that? But it's like, because there's so few people, anybody who wants to do anything gets an opportunity to do it and is encouraged by the rest of of the crowd.
0: That's one of the great things about the House of Prayers, is you're not restricted to a two-hour segment where you're, where you're pulling from a few people to do those two hours, but you have many, many hours, and you're usually smaller than the regular churches. So there's many opportunities on each of those hours to be doing very different things. It's just great for kids to be able to get involved
3: in that way. So what kind of things did you allow your kids to do, uh, including myself, when they were in the prayer room and maybe they didn't want to read their Bibles or they weren't into singing along with the songs? where there were sort of uh, rules? What, what did they have to do?
2: Stay in the prayer room. They read books. They played with the Rubik's cubes. Homework. They did homework. Sometimes. <laughs> they did cards. They played with cards. They wandered around. They went and sat with other people. They went on to briefing meetings and debriefing meetings. They went out in the hall and chatted. And what I found is that you just have to have eyes to see a long-term perspective because you would think, oh, they should be in the prayer room right now. What are they doing? They're out there talking to someone. Oh, no, they're, they're just bothering or they're distracting. Mm-hmm. No, they're not. What they're doing is they're building a relationship and that relationship that they have with that person maybe 5 years older than them 10 years older than them you give that you give that some years they will have a friendship and then they will be that person will speak into their life beyond you and so you have other people speaking into their lives you have other people calling them into loving Jesus and also calling out their gifts that they see and saying, Hey, maybe you want to become involved with this. Hey, why don't you come with me? I do this. Why don't you practice? Why don't you try it out? And so you have other people who are making a way for your kids, not just you, it's not all on you. And that's something I've just loved about the house of prayers. I've felt that there have been many, you could say it, aunts and uncles and mothers and fathers who have been there for my kids to open doors for them, so to speak, to draw them, to call them. And so, yes, sometimes if you don't have eyes to see, it looks like, well, they're just hanging about, but they're not hanging about. They're there, God will encounter them, and, they're, and God is building into them things for the years to come.
3: I really appreciated uh, growing up and having the freedom to do whatever I needed to do in the room, And so I remember before I was going to go to university, I was a little bit nervous. Uh, I'd been out of high school for a while. And so one of the textbooks that I bought ahead of time before the course started, it was required readings. It was called calculus, fear no more. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that just scares you more because you're like, I wasn't that afraid, but like now I'm really scared because there's a whole book on how you shouldn't be that afraid. And so I remember working through the the book I- just in the back of the prayer room and, and people coming over and asking me what I was working on and telling them I was going to university, but not feeling like I had to leave the prayer room to work on this. I could I could come to on Sunday and I could work on my uh my workbook, and then uh, you know, flash forward to now, I'm in the workplace, and one of my favorite things to do is on my prep, or if I'm staying late at school to to mark or to lesson prep. I love turning on the prayer room. I love working with that in the background because it's just such a soothing thing. There's so much peace in my heart to listen to the prayer room while I'm working at, at work. And then there'll be a line or there'll be a phrase or a chorus that just just moves my heart. And I just put down my work and I engage with the Lord. And I feel like I'm just the same as I was as a kid. Like I'm back in the prayer room. I'm just there before the Lord. I'm doing what I need to do. I have other things on my plate. And it's it's just such a freedom to feel like, you know, you're not, you're not being unholy or you're being sinful by bringing work or homework or a book or something into the prayer room. You're able to just live your life in constant communion with the Lord.
1: As Sue said, it's it's a matter of having eyes to see what you're looking at. And so for us, it's the, the thing we're looking at is we want our kids to be close enough to the fire till they catch it themselves, till they start burning themselves. So it's a matter of keeping them close to, the, to God's presence, keep, keeping them close to his presence, and they'll catch fire eventually. So whatever it takes to keep them in that environment, I... Uh, I was thinking back to where some years ago now, but when the kids were younger, we would take our holidays and we would go down to Kansas City to IHOP and we would rent an apartment within walking distance of the prayer room and we'd stay there for seven or ten days and we would spend six, eight, ten hours in the prayer room and we loved it. The kids loved it. Of course, we'd go shopping. We'd do a few other things as well. Um, Maybe
3: a little bit of bribery there.
1: Yeah, of course there was bribery involved. Ice cream. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The pool, they had a pool in the apartment complex. Oh, the pool was great. So we did in the pool in the afternoons and you know, you're never quite sure what you'll all experience when you're in Kansas City. One year, one of our kids who was a minor at the time, he wanted to stay in the prayer room all night because it's 24-7. And so we thought that was a good idea. He wanted to experiment with that. So we as parents went back to our rented place to sleep. And what we didn't realize is that Missouri apparently has a curfew bylaw that prevents unaccompanied minors from being out past a certain time. (laughs) So uh, sure enough, in the middle of the night, we heard a knock on the door and our child, accompanied by an armed security guard, (laughs) was being escorted home.
2: We tried. I just want to point out that wasn't me. (laughs) And I want to point out some years later, that same child went down to fire in the night And proceeded to do six months of being on the walls, uh, being in fire in the night, praying at night, sleeping during the day. So he had his first taste when he got escorted home by the security guard, but then he went back years later and did it himself. So it wasn't too traumatic that he didn't want to go back by himself. it was
0: great. He just thought it was the greatest thing going (laughs) So when you guys entered the house of prayer, you had young kids, but there was no children's equipping center, children's church of that time. Do you wish there was something like that? Like, do you think they missed out on, on that in the early days?
2: I don't think they missed out on it because what they were able to do is they were able to be in the room with everyone at the same time and I was talking with my one of my daughters the other day about it, and I was asking her like we didn't have and this we didn't have a youth group, even <laughs> let alone c e c we didn't have a youth group, and so I asked her, "How was that for you?" and she said, "Well, I love the fact that I got to be there and hear all the messages." And so I got to hear when our pastor had a dream. I got to hear when someone got up and said, I had a dream and this is what God has said. And I got to hear those kinds of things. And I got to be a part of the story that was unfolding. And I got to hear the what God was saying. And so for them, it was a wrestle. At times it was really good because they were like, yes, this is really good what God is doing. And at other times they were lonely. They were like, where is the youth group? Why can't we have a youth group? And we had to wrestle with that, and they basically had to trust God that he would meet them in that, bring them friends in a different way, that that he would make up for it. And I think he made up for it by giving them friendships with the next jump up into the 20-somethings. And so our prayer room kind of allowed for, because we were all in one room, kind of blurred those generational lines. And so where they might not have, in an other church setting, they would have had a youth group. This time they didn't have a youth group, but they gained friends with 20-somethings that they might not have had a chance to before. So I felt like God just gave them back something.
0: So he blurred the lines between some of the generations. And, and you think that benefited the children?
2: Absolutely yeah. benefited them.
3: Well, like life's about trade-offs. And so you traded one thing, but you feel like you really got the other. It was yeah. just kind of unexpected.
0: Yeah. And it's good that you're, that your daughter that you talked to didn't feel like she was missing out either, that she actually benefited from it too, right? And you can have those conversations. It's good for us parents with younger kids to hear that even from you guys, knowing, you know what? you're not going to miss out on too much. Like, there's, like there are some things that we can do practically for them to get that community. Like Eli, my oldest son, he goes to another youth group once every couple of weeks and he finds that community and that's great, but he loves the House of Prayer; He's planted there and he's benefiting from those relationships as well. So there's just those practical things that we can do as parents to make it work for our families. And you guys have done a great job of doing that.
3: In hindsight, are there some things you would have done differently?
1: To be honest, I can't think of any. Um, I believe that no one church can necessarily provide everything that uh, is needed by, by some individuals and so, by people. So had our kids expressed a strong interest to go to a particular youth group, I would have totally supported that. I think it's a great idea uh, because we didn't have one and some kids really benefit from that. And so I would say go for it, absolutely, because a youth group provides something that a house of prayer can't. Well, would I do some, anything differently? I, I can't really think of anything substantive that I would do differently.
0: So what about the kids not having Sunday school where kids would normally grow up with those
1: Bible stories and learning the scriptures? Do you wish they had that? Did we miss out on Sunday school because we didn't have any? Is a good question. I I think of it in terms of Sunday school is half an hour to an hour once a week. I'm not sure how much weight we should put on that in terms of teaching our children the entire Christian life and doctrine. It's a very short period of time. We as parents, I think, bear the responsibility of teaching our kids and talking about it in the morning, in the noon, at night, and evening. And so, that's my that's my job, and I love that children's church Sunday school helps out, but it's my job. It's my primary responsibility.
0: We talked about that in the previous episode, how you guys had those conversations about end times and that sort of thing at the table too, so I'm sure they were getting a lot of the Bible lessons, even even just with the urgency message and being in the house of prayer like there's that urgency piece and it's there, and you can't really ignore it so you you pretty much need to study it to
1: understand it so that you're not offended and put off by it absolutely and then as you worship you you can't help but think about God and free will and, you know, God's sovereignty and all the big issues that come up because God is so beautiful and and amazing and how do, how do we fit into that? And and it's like a house of prayer is, is steeped in Scripture. We highly value the Bible. And so we're singing from it, we're praying from it, we're reading it, we're studying it. And so questions will come up. The kids will read the Bible. They'll read through it from cover to cover because it just seems normative. And so that's what they do. And so things come up and you talk about issues and the theology becomes supper conversation it's the end times it's glorified bodies and what are we going to do in the millennial kingdom and what about this and what about that and uh is jesus fully god and miracles are they for today and how do we do like so much i mean goodness sakes there's not enough hours in the day to talk about all of that
0: so you shared some of the fun stories and some of the challenges and difficulties you guys faced uh what would you say to the community around your kids that you would want to tell them advice that you that you would give them to help raise your children up and foster their growth as the next generation in the house of prayer
2: I think just one thing that comes to mind is just taking my kids out for well pre-coffee I guess before they drank coffee take them to Starbucks take them to ice for ice cream just Just be intentional about seeing them outside of the prayer room, but having that come out of a natural kind of connection. One of my daughters, as Harv said, did CEC, and so the CEC director would connect with her, and they would go out for coffee, and they would talk. And then out of that, they then went to camps and did camps together. And so she would take her along, and they would do that together. And so it was like a natural kind of friendship developed out of they were working together together, and so I think I would say that to see to see my children as ones that they can invest in, knowing that there's there's going to be years and years and years ahead of us, so to invest in them and to build that friendship, and then, as I said earlier, to just call them out into the things that God has put in their hearts.
1: If you're asking, in a sense, if, if you're in a house of prayer or you're in a prayer group, praying community in, there's young kids involved, what can you do as not the parent of the kids?
0: to support the parents and the children right to raise them up? I think it's a,
1: a great question, I think to view the kids in some ways as as partially your responsibility and and talk to the parents, ask the parents how what can I, can I take your kid out for an ice cream? can i uh, and even in the in the prayer room, like pray for the kids uh, physically like physically go up, put your hand on them and pray. God's blessing on them, ask God for a word, uh, pray, a ble- uh, pray a blessing, pray for an increase of the Holy Spirit on them. Uh, treat or view those children as not just the offspring of the parents, but as your responsibility to whatever level you've got grace. Well, it doesn't matter that you're not married, it doesn't matter that you're a teen, because I would say even teens can invest in the younger kids. If you're 20-something, figure like figure out how to be intentional with um, with the parents and with the kids. I mean, some of the things I've seen is like even after
0: the kids go up and pray, they get a nice big high five and they say an awesome prayer, awesome job. It's things like that that really excite me when when I see people do that for my kids, too, because I know that they're going to remember that. They're going to feel really good about what they just did, and they're going to want to do it again Absolutely. and again and again. And, and it, it just becomes part of their culture that we cheer each other on to pray.
2: I think that was one of the, uh, now that we're talking about it, one of the early memories I have of the House of Prayer when we were first starting because we were very small. And so one, the fellow that was a part of managing or leading the, the prayer room, and he was part of that, every week he would come up to different people and ask them to pray. And I remember he would come up to my kids and say, would you like to pray? And I remember thinking, oh, I didn't think about asking them to pray. He was, he beat me to it, so to speak. And he he would just say, hey, do you want to pray? And they, they would say, sometimes they would say no, and they would say no for months. And he would just, that's okay. And he would come back a month later and ask them again. And he would ask them in different situations. And then eventually they began to say yes. And it was interesting because I just thought, oh, I didn't, actually think about that right then when he was, when he had eyes to see and he was asking them. And so I think like just that really impacted me. And I just thought, oh yeah, I want to have eyes to see, oh, there's that three-year-old or four-year-old. I can say, hey, let's go up together. You want to pray on rapid fire prayer? Well, come with me. Let's do it. I'll stand here and you can stand there. And that's what I watched in the house of prayer. I watched Corey do that. Uh, she would take her kids up there and she'd say, you want to pray? And they they would say yes. And then when they got there, they would say no, but it didn't matter. They were there. And I think that that was some of the things, the earliest days I remember, that's one of the things that really impacted me and gave me eyes to see. And I think that's something that you can easily do for others.
0: And just the environment of allowing kids to try things and make mistakes too. And they're not going to be reprimanded for for making mistakes, no. but they're just going to be encouraged. It's like, that was awesome. Like, let's do it again next week.
3: That sort of thing. I think it's a great atmosphere for raising children. Yeah, I just always loved seeing the, the youngest kids pray when they could hardly form words or sentences and just they wanted to be part of it. They wanted to be in the prayer line. They wanted to be just, you know, getting up there on the rapid fire. Sometimes it's just, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, and that was it, but that was enough. And so for me, that was just so encouraging just to see that, you know, we're a house of prayer. Everyone here can pray.
1: Yeah, that's that, that was the big thing is that everyone gets to. Everyone gets to pray, and it doesn't matter how eloquent, uh, or how profound everybody gets, in a sense, the same high five. Like how your age doesn't matter. Especially the younger ones. I remember, as you said, Johan, we would all go like, high five. That was awesome. And we'd verbalize it and go like, great job. And I, mean, I didn't understand a word the kid said. Like he was barely speaking, but it was like, great job. <laughs> like I'm sure. like And so they're, they're motivated. They're like encouraged. And it's like, come on, you can do it.
0: This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Harv and Sue, for joining us for this podcast some great insights. We really appreciate it. So this is actually concluding our first season of the Burning Rooms podcast. We are going to be taking the month of August off. We will resume in September. So
3: look out for that episode. And that will be season two. And we are looking forward to that as well. So mark your calendars. September 3rd. Next episode for season two will be dropping. September 3rd. It's going to be a good one. We don't know what it is yet, but it's going
0: to be a good one. So stay tuned and tell your friends. You can keep tabs on us and get more information about us at burningrooms.ca or email us at burningroomspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, my name is Johan. I'm Jehu. I'm Sue. I'm Harp. And this is the Burning Burning Rooms Podcast.